Pastor G mentioned, I graduated on Monday from uh, Torch Trinity Seminary. I want to I want to thank my mama, thank Pastor Benjamin and Pastor Pastor Sonny, and of course my Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Now I just want to thank everyone who came out to the graduation ceremony. Uh, thank you to, for those who took the time to come out and celebrate with me in this very, very momentous and meaningful occasion. And also, I want to thank everyone who prepared a card or a gift just to congratulate me on this big milestone. Uh, you know, I wasn't making a big deal of it, but Pastor Benjamin flying in and surprising me. And on top of that, you guys are really celebrating the sonship that was inherent in me going and finishing ceremony. Uh, I'm finishing the graduation, finishing my studies. Um, you guys seeing that sonship really made everything um, really meaningful to me. And so reading your cards, uh, I'll send out thank yous sometime today. I didn't get to send out thank yous, but uh, I do, I do want to thank you verbally uh, for all those who really took the time to celebrate with me. It was indeed a me- meaningful and momentous occasion. Last few days... We were part of the GKIM conference, the Global Kingdom Young Adult Missions Conference, which was held at Onuri uh, Yangje. And I think we had about 200 of our, our church members that were in attendance. And I just want to say uh, thank you and how proud I am of everyone who attended and all of our volunteers who served. Um, all the youth uh, conference, there was a GKIM youth conference going on at the same time. I want to thank all the small group leaders that served. I know you guys had to really just uh, pull away from the rest of the conference and just serve the youth. Just want to thank everyone who served. Uh, the New Philly Dance Crew did an awesome job last night. Putting on a new fresh performance. Uh, just releasing an anointing through dance to destroy the yokes of bondage. And uh, yeah, throughout the conference, like different guest speakers that were in town... Uh, the moment they met me, they would be like, oh, you're the, you're the pastor of New Philadelphia Church. Oh, wow. your people have been such a blessing. Like, your leaders, your guys, you guys, the New Philly guys have been a blessing from the moment uh, I met them. They've been uh, so servant-hearted. And so it just made me really proud. I, I heard that consistently throughout the conference. And some people kept saying it like two or three times. And so I just want to say how proud I am of everyone. I know it was... Um, a uh, bit of a long weekend in that sense for all those who served the last three days. Uh, but the Lord will surely reward you, refresh you, and renew you. Amen? Amen. Amen. And you know, we're not a huge mega church here. But let me tell you, our church is powerful. We're a powerful remnant. We're an army of mighty warriors. We're like those Spartan warriors in the movie 300. We're, we're like wasabi. You just need a little bit of us. Gochujang, right? We're the gochujang in the city. Amen. Amen. And uh, I met some wonderful people at the GKIM conference. One of them was Tony Beckham, who was a professor at Handong University in Korea and at Trinity University in Illinois. And... Uh, Pastor Leo introduced me to him over lunch. And I just had this fantastic time just connecting heart to heart with him. You know, I meet a lot of different pastors, a lot of different ministers, uh, people. Uh, even at this conference, I met a lot of different people. But it's very rare to have that kind of heart to heart connection. 
And with Tony Beckham, I just made this really heart-to-heart connection. And I attended his uh, seminar called An Alternative View of the Marketplace. And he actually joined us today for worship. After speaking at Seoul Union Church, he made his way over here with his uh, wife, Mina. And so they're here. I just want to uh, recognize Tony and uh, Mina. Could you guys just stand up for a moment? This is Professor uh, Tony Beckham and Mina. And he just wanted, he heard about New Philly. I kind of share with him. And he got, like, slowly, he just got more and more excited the more he heard about our church. And, you know, different people will celebrate, you know, what God's doing here at our church. But, like, he got really, really fascinated and excited. And um, there was just this real heart-to-heart connection. So he really wanted to go out of his way and and join us for worship. And I believe that this is not just... um, a person I just met in passing, but, you know, I'm, I'm really uh, believing and trusting the Lord. This is a meaningful connection, a kingdom relationship uh, from which out of this mutual edification and intimacy, there will come forth beautiful fruit. And so I'm just so excited. He's, he's like the one person I met at the conference that I'm just like, I just want to get to know you, Professor, Professor Beckham. Yeah. That was... It's, Blessing to have him here today. Uh, the theme of our church for 2013 was the year of inspiration. Don't worry, I'm not revealing. <laughs> next year's theme will come next Sunday, okay? But the, hey, we're still in the year of inspiration, all right? Hold your horses. <clears throat> and, you know, we w- really wanted the year of inspiration to be a time in which we encourage each and every one of you uh, to be creative, uh, to think outside the box. Don't just go with the status quo. Don't just conform. Don't just produce. Don't just work harder, work smarter, think outside the box, you know. And so it was a year in which um, we really wanted to see and activate that creativity side that we often do not see in Asian Americans, in Asian Canadians, Korean Americans, you know. But we know we have it inside. And um, we, we had this year of inspiration. And as 2013 draws to a close, I want to end the year by exhorting every single one of you to make New Year resolutions. So that's what my message is about today. Make New Year's resolutions. Why? Because a new year is God's gift to us. He's giving us a new beginning, and this is the best time to focus on your self-development and growth. This is the best time to start up a new habit. If you have some bad habits, the new year is the best time to start replacing those bad habits with some good ones. The Greek philosopher Socrates said, the unexamined life is not worth living. Meaning that if you are not living a life where you're taking the time to examine what's going on inside of you and what's going on in your life, your life is not going to be very meaningful. You know, humans are the only only creatures on earth that have the ability of self-development. You don't don't see um, dogs making New Year resolutions every year. 
You, know, you, don't, see, you don't see dolphins trying to improve their character and whatnot. You know, lions aren't, you know, you get the point, right? We are the only creatures on earth that have the ability towards self-development. This is because only mankind was created in God's image. We are given the power of choice. And God has given us a mandate to take dominion over the earth. But we also got to remember, we got to take dominion over our own body and soul. We got to bring our thought lives captive to the obedience of Christ. We got to make a habit of slowing down, examining our lives and working towards self-development and growth. So I want y'all to make New Year resolutions. You know, you can have all the success in the world, but it will be meaningless if you are not growing, maturing, and working towards self-improvement. You know, you can make billions of dollars and give it away to charity, but it will not mean anything if you are not focused on your inner life. On being a better friend, a better son, a better husband, a better mother. Jesus said it like this. What good is it for a man to gain the whole world and yet forfeit his soul? There are many excellent books out there that helps us to focus on the inner life. Uh, one of the best ones I've ever read is Ordering Your Private World by Gordon MacDonald. I highly recommend it. I don't see any pens writing right now. If you're a New Philly leader... And if you've read it before, I encourage you to read it again. Because it's one of the books you got to apply. It's not just about knowledge. you got to take it and apply it. It's not so easy to apply. So reread it if you read it already. Ordering Your Private World by Gordon MacDonald. I want to take a time out here. I want to talk about how awesome Pastor Benjamin's sermon was last week. Talked about the Sabbath. He talked about how um, he talked about Sabbath delight, this habit that he has with his um, wife, Pastor Sonny, how on every Monday they take time to just kind of delight over what God did this past week. They just call that Sabbath delight because Sabbath is not just about abstinence, the abstinence of work. Sabbath is not something you take, but it's something that Jesus gives. And you cannot rest in what you do not possess. So taking that time to kind of delight in what God's done in the previous week helps us to process and possess those good things that God has done. And, and if God has been working in us, it begins to solidify when we take that time to delight uh, during our Sabbath days. And uh, man, he made some awesome points in that message. He said, Sabbath is not a season but a state of being. He talked about, uh, anyway, I listened to the message. It was a powerful message. And um, anyway, uh, time out is over. I'm going to come back to my message. All right. <laughs> now, coming back to New Year resolutions, you may be saying to yourself, I hate New Year resolutions. I've tried it before, and I always feel like a failure. So you know what? I'd rather save myself from that kind of disappointment this year. Pastor Christian, don't you understand me? I hate New Year's resolutions. And I want you to open up your Bible right now to 
Ephesians chapter 4. I'm going to use this text to renew and pursue, to renew your commitment toward New Year resolutions so that you will pursue it with a newfound passion. Ephesians chapter 4, verses 17 to 24. Ephesians chapter 4, verses 17 to 24. I'm going to read the first three verses. Ephesians 4, verse 17. I'm going to read the ESV. Now this I say and testify in the Lord that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do in the futility of their minds. They are darkened in their understanding, alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to their hardness of heart. They have become callous and have given themselves up to sensuality Greedy to practice every kind of impurity. I'm going to stop right there. Are you walking as the Gentiles do? Is your mind filled with futility? Remember, I preached in a previous message at a joint prayer meeting that futility leads to a darkening of understanding, a separation from the life of God, and a hardening of the heart. So if you're allowing yourself to stay callous toward New Year resolutions, you are not walking as the people of God, the redeemed people of God. You're walking as the Gentiles do. The godless Gentiles who have no hope. The wicked shall live in futility, but the scripture says the righteous shall live by faith. Everybody say faith. In order to live a life of faith, we got to guard ourselves from futility. Amen? I'm going to keep reading here. Verse 20. But that is not the way you learn Christ. Assuming that you have heard about him and were taught in him as the truth is in Jesus. Verse 22. To put off your old self, which belongs to your former, former way of manner of life, and is corrupt through deceitful desires... And to be renewed in the spirit of your minds and to put on the new self created after the likeness of God and true righteousness and holiness. What do we read here? Futility is not the way of Christ. I don't want, I don't want to work on New Year resolutions. I, I, I've always felt like a failure. That's futility. This is a new day. This is a new year. We got to fill ourselves with faith as we make these New Year resolutions. Amen? And instead, the Apostle Paul exhorts us here to do three things. Number one, put off the old self. Number two, be renewed in the spirit of your minds. And number three, to put on the new self. So as you end this year, I want to exhort every single one of you to make New Year resolutions following these three steps. I'm going to reword it. Number one, reflect. Number two, renew. And number three, follow through. Reflect, renew, follow through. Number one, let's talk about reflect. Verse 22 says, Put off your old self, which belongs to your former way of life, and is corrupt through deceitful desires. The first step in making New Year's resolutions is to reflect. Reflect on the past year. 
and thank God for ways in which he has moved. Celebrate the victories and the growth that you've gained. And then identify areas that you know you need to put off. Don't look at your old self and think, man, why am I like this? I'm never going to kick out of this. When will I ever change? You know, your old self is no longer part of who you are. Your old self has nothing to do with your identity, so stop identifying with it. Why am I like this? No, that's not you. What you should be saying is, this is not who I am. Christian Lee, this is not you. This is not your identity. Stop behaving this way. Your behavior has got to match your beliefs. This is not you. I'm a new creation. I'm not wearing this jacket anymore. I'm putting the coat of road rage away. It's a coat that I keep taking out the closet though. I can't lie. But our attitude, when we look at these uh, areas of the flesh, these areas where we, where we fall or fail, we got to treat it like a foreign thing. We cannot identify with it. Understand that it belongs to your former way of life and that it is corrupt through deceitful desires. It is not based in truth. So we got to learn how to put that away. And when you reflect on the past year and identify... Uh, when you reflect on the past year, we also want you to identify a few areas where you'd like to grow. Think of resources that can help you to grow. Ask your friends for books. If you're in the business sector, read books about leadership. Read books about business. Read the Wall Street Journal. You know, I'm a pastor. I read Christianity Today. I read Charisma Magazine. You know, I read things that are in the area of my stewardship. If you're in teaching and education, read up on what's going on in education. Don't be stuck on stuff that people came up with in the 70s. You know, the world is moving quickly. Think of resources that can help you to grow. Think of creative ways in which you can gain victory over certain bad habits. And don't just look for answers. Learn how to ask the right questions. Don't just work harder, work smarter. You got to learn how to think outside the box. Do not go about the daily grind for the new year without keeping in mind the big picture. So take time to reflect. Step back. Take your Sabbath. Receive the Sabbath that Christ is trying to give you. And examine and reflect on your life. Dallas Willard, he's quoted as saying, ruthlessly eliminate hurry from your life. As one of my um, professors this past semester, he kept saying that quote over and over and over again. And I knew that every time he said it, he was speaking to me. If, if, if somebody lives a hurried life, that would be moi. That would be myself. I'm not, I'm not French. I don't know why I'm using moi. <laughs> Ruthlessly eliminate hurry from your life. And this is what P.B. preached last week. 
talking about the Sabbath. And, and what really hit me about his message last week was the revelation that throughout Jesus' time on earth, which was very limited, I mean, when I took a moment to go along with PB in this, um, in what must have happened in the heavens when God came up with a salvation plan for man, like, isn't it completely against reason, the plan that the triune God came up with? You know, we got to save the world. We got to bring salvation to God's people. We got to bring salvation. How are we going to do it? Jesus, well, PB thought, you know, this is just hypothetical. Jesus may have said, well, maybe I can uh, just be born in an obsolete, you know, town and in a manger and just chill as a baby. You know, if, if I came up with a salvation plan, you know, I would have had the son of God come as a full grown adult at the age of like 28 when he's like in his prime, like the Terminator, you know, just come. I'm, I'm here to save you. You know, I would never, never have thought to put Jesus in a little manger as a baby, helpless little baby. I mean, if Mary tripped on her way to Egypt, I mean, Jesus would have been gone. <laughs> the savior of the world, helpless little baby. And then when he grew up, he, he just chilled. Literally, he just, he was not in a hurry. And even when he reached the age of 30 and started his public ministry, he was still not in a hurry. Knowing he only had three years before he'll be crucified. If I knew I had three years, if, if, if I knew right now at the age of 34 that I only have three more years to live, pastoring this church, hey, don't cry, this is just hypothetical, okay? <laughs> if I knew that and God revealed that to me, I will, I will be working. I will be constantly in a hurry. I would speak, you know, five times every Sunday. You know, I'll, I'll speak every day. But Jesus was never in a hurry. He only did that which he saw the Father doing. And that was enough. In all of our busy work, it does not outweigh the wisdom of the Father's precise work. If all we do is the Father's work, that's enough to complete the will of God, to advance his sovereign purposes on this earth. I mean, that, that, that really struck me, that Jesus was never in a hurry. And I realized, man, my ministry is a, is a stark contrast to Jesus' ways in some way, in a lot of ways. But, but then, you know, I found kind of comfort, though, when I looked at the life of the Apostle Paul. All right? <laughs> so, you know, I relate a little bit more with the Apostle Paul. Okay, we all look up to Apostle Paul. Apostle Paul was in a hurry, all right? And he got stoned to death. God miraculously resurrected him. He got back up and went back in the same town and started preaching. That man was on a mission. But anyway, I mean, we got we to balance that, right? You got to balance the teachings. But this all brought me back to a quote that my college mentor, Brother Michael, used to say to me. Because he knew I had like, I was like a wild stallion. He knew I had character issues. He knew that I used to run people over. I was very goal-oriented. I would use people to get to my goals rather than love on people. So I remember he used to say to me, God is more concerned about who you are becoming than what you can do for him, Christian. And I was always focused on, Lord, I want to do your will. 
Show me your will. I want to do your will. I want to do your will. I want to do your will. I didn't know that God was concerned with how I did his will. God puts priority on who you are becoming than what you can do for him. So we got to take time to reflect, amen? We got to examine ourselves, evaluate your progress, and be honest about your failures. But we got to reflect. And in the areas where we know is not pleasing to God, we got to put off the old self. Number two, verse Ephesians 4.23 says, Be renewed in the spirit of your minds. Second step is renew. After you reflect, you got to renew. Romans 12.2 says, Do not be conformed to the, any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. The key to permanent transformation in your Christian walk is the renewing of your mind. Not just the changing of behavior. There's got to be a renewing of your thinking patterns. Mikey Yoon, is that you? All right. How you doing? One of my Columbia students when I was uh, with Campus Crusade. I haven't seen him in a long time. All right, sorry, sorry. I'm from the ghetto, all right? Whenever I get a chance to do a shout-out, I do it, all right? I'm like, you know, ghetto people get on the radio, they want to do like 10 different shout-outs, you know? Anyway, all right, I'm sorry. Uh, <clears throat> renew. So if you want to be transformed, there's got to be a continual renewing of your mind. And a big aspect of renewing your mind is seizing new beginnings... And renewing your commitment toward growth and development. So after you reflect, you got to renew. Renew your commitment to put away your old self or to improve a strength or gift you possessed. But you got to make these New Year resolutions. This is your step to renew your mind. And you know, when you renew your commitment to New Year resolutions, you got to have hope. A big key is hope. If you don't have hope, if you're stuck in futility, all your efforts will be in vain. But if you have hope, that hope in itself has the power to bring forth permanent change. I'll give you an example. I'm reading this book called The Power of Habit. Really amazing book. And in it, the, he's a secular author. He talks about Alcoholics Anonymous. Anybody know AA? You know, you see it in the movies, you know, people who struggle with alcohol, they get into a room, you know, and they each take their turn and say, my name is Christian and I'm an alcoholic. <laughs> yeah, get it out there. Get it out there. Yeah, I'm an alcoholic. And, and they go through these steps toward recovery and freedom from their uh, alcohol, alcoholism. And in the book, The Power of Habit, they studied Alcoholics Anonymous. Because it was a great study in the power of habit. And the way that they get people to stop drinking alcohol is they try to get those people to replace their alcoholic habit with a good habit. For example, exercise. Um, when they feel a little anxious, uh, go and pray. Read a book. Uh, talk to a friend. Call a neighbor, something like that, right? So they form new habits. And so when they get the same trigger, 
you know, they feel anxious or they feel despair. It, they go into a different routine. They call up a friend instead of drinking alcohol. Right? And Alcoholics Anonymous, what they found was they saw enormous success except when these people went through a crisis. What they found was when people go through this pro- program, when they lose a loved one or they lose a job or they go through some kind of crisis, many of these people revert back to alcoholism. Except people who believed in God. Isn't that interesting? And so in the Alcoholics Anonymous program, if you've ever gone through it, anybody here go through it? Don't be scared. Don't be, sh- don't be ashamed. Uh, in the program, <laughs> God is actually mentioned in the steps. And so because the founder of the program, actually, he was, he was really um, heavy into alcohol. His life was falling apart. And what happened was, I mean, this is completely like Holy Spirit. He was in a room. He cried out to God. Holy Spirit came and filled him. He had this crazy experience in his bedroom. And then he was free from alcohol. Completely supernatural experience. The book mentions it. And so this guy, he knew that God was a big part of his freedom. And so he he made sure that God got in there. And so the secular author takes this element of God and he renames it. He relabels it as the phenomena of hope. If these people have no hope of permanent change, when a crisis hits, they revert back to their old ways. But for those people who believe in God, a higher power, a higher power that can change them from the inside out, those people who have that belief, even when a crisis hit, they continue to remain with their good habits. What am I trying to say? The element of hope is powerful. When you're trying to uh, improve yourself or, or grow or develop yourself. So when you make these New Year resolutions and you renew your commitment to them, you got to do it from a place of hope. I don't care if you've done it for the last four years and you failed. When you do it again for 2014, do it with hope. The righteous shall live by faith. Some people might say this is absurdity. I've done this for 10 years in a row and I've seen the same results. No, faith says the 11th year will be my breakthrough. (laughs) Or as Joel Osteen might say, the 12th year, the 25th year is going to be your breakthrough. (laughs) Isaiah 40 verse 31 says, those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. Hope is a powerful element of you being successful at these New Year resolutions. So the second step is renew. Third step, the most important step, well, one of the most important steps is to follow through. Ephesians 4.24, put on the new self, created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. Once you reflected and renewed your mind's commitment to grow, then now it's time to put on the new self. It's time to execute, to go and to follow through. You know, follow through 
is a very important concept in sports. Any of you in here, you play golf? Now, I don't play golf. I care less. But one thing I know about golf is when my good friend who plays golf, when he taught me, he said, it's all about the follow through. If you don't follow through, you think it has nothing. You hit the ball already. You think it has nothing to do with anything. But if you don't follow through, you're going to slice that shot. It's not going to go in the direction that you want it to go. Same thing with tennis. It's all about follow through. Am I right? I'm not a tennis player, though. But I overheard <laughs> that when you do your top spin, you got to follow through. You ever see Serena Williams? Venus, Venus Williams, when the Williams sisters play, I'm like, they follow through. Or in baseball, you got to follow through. Follow through is important in sports. What's important in your life. When you make these New Year resolutions, you got to follow through. And, you know, the great thing about a New Year is that it is a new beginning. And the great thing about a new beginning is it provides a new opportunity to build momentum. When you have momentum, it is much easier to follow through. You know, many of us, we underestimate the power of momentum. But you got to understand, momentum is everywhere. Look on the stock market. Momentum. You know, people are like, I don't even know why, why the stocks are falling, but I'm out. You know, they see, nobody into business here, anyone into economics. Uh, you see it on the stock market. You see it in social media. When something goes viral, yeah. you know, people like, Opa Gangnam Style, what is that? But I must click. <laughs> it's gotten 12 million views. I must click. You know, that's momentum in social media. You know, like, like um, uh, Malcolm Gladwell wrote a whole book, Tipping Point, about this phenomena of once you hit this tipping point, momentum just exponentially grows. And you see momentum in sports. And I love American football. In American football, one team of 11 men on the field has the football, which a lot of times they don't touch with their feet. But anyway, we, it's called football, okay? <laughs> Handball doesn't sound as good, okay? And one team of 11 people tries to take this ball down to the opponent's end zone using plays uh, that consist of running or passing. And then there's an opposing team of 11 players that specialize in different positions, and they try to stop the other team with the ball from advancing the ball down the field. It is a very strategic game. I just summarized very simply for you what American football is, okay? Even if you know, know American football, I just summarized for you. Very, okay? I love American football. And I have mentioned previously that I believe this is the one sport that has the most and the most meaningful kingdom analogies. <laughs> Completely persuaded of this. <clears throat> you see, in football, momentum is everything. Good coaches understand this. If you gain momentum in a game... The worst team in the league can beat the best team in the NFL. All you need is momentum. 
You don't have to have superstars. You just got to know how to carry that momentum. When sports analysts, they summarize a football game, they will often identify what's called the turning point. The turning point is usually a big play that shifts the momentum of the game in one team's favor. So, for example, it can be a big punt return or a kickoff return. It could be a fumble, an interception, a penalty, or some kind of explosive offensive play for a touchdown. But these big turning points shifts the momentum in the game. And what happens is a good team will consistently leverage or capitalize on momentum and they will win the game almost every time. So in, in the NFL, it's very important. When you get a turnover, you got to score. You got to punish the other team for turning that ball over. Teams that capitalize on momentum, they always win the game. So what's interesting is in order to simulate this real-life dynamic, the creators of the football video game Madden, it's a video game, has built momentum into the gameplay. So as I play Madden more and more, I realize, man, what the, what's going on? And I realize they built momentum into the game. And so you will notice that if your team fumbles the ball or you throw an interception, which is like a big turning point where the sh- uh, momentum can shift, and the other team can capitalize on that turnover and score, that will often shift the momentum. And once the momentum is to your opposing team's favor, your star players will mysteriously be prone to make mistakes. So when I play, you know, my quarterback will start throwing bad passes. Wide receivers will start start dropping easy-to-catch passes. And it gets very frustrating. And so when you feel that frustration, the temptation is to work harder. But if you work harder, the momentum continues to shift for your opponent. And you make more mistakes. And then the league gets bigger. And then you just start to do all kinds of crazy things. And you start trying to sneak over at your opponent's controller to see what he's doing. (laughs) Anyway. um, Now. If you're a wise Madden player, when you see the shift in momentum, what you got to do is you got to slow things down. (laughs) You got to make wise decisions. Run the ball. Even if you end up punting it, just run the ball, slow down the momentum. And what you will notice is in the gameplay, the momentum will die down. It's, It's just simply a mirroring of what happens in real life football. This is why um, oftentimes home teams will have the advantage. Because when the momentum shifts, the crowd goes crazy. And and oftentimes when the crowd goes crazy, it's hard for the other, the uh, offensive team, the opponent team, the the visiting team, to hear themselves. And in football, you got to like call out the plays audibly. And if you want to make adjustments, you got to call it out. You know know what they say? Blue, blue, hot, hot, mic one, mic three. Hike! You know, they, when they say those things, the quarterback is ca- calling out the plays or he's making adjustments at the line based on what he sees on defense. But when the crowd is going, everyone here, start making crowd noise like you're at an NFL game right now. Come on. Blue! Blue one! Blue one! Mike two! Mike two! Mike two! Mike! Hike! 
I just threw an interception. That's why a lot of the home teams will get that advantage because the crowd helps to build that momentum when it starts. What's my point? (laughs) The best way to make changes and improvements in your life is to get some momentum going and then to capitalize on that momentum. Leverage it. If you've always struggled with going to sleep early, Make a commitment in the new year to go to bed by midnight and just do it. And in the first 10 days of the year, let's say you only go to sleep twice at midnight. Hey, that's momentum right there. Considering the 365 days of the previous year, you didn't get a single night at midnight. Here, you got two. That's momentum right there. You got to leverage that. Celebrate that. You know, as I get older, some wise things you can do before you go to bed is instead of using white lights, you use yellow lights. Did you know that? So in some apartments, you have the option to use a white light or a yellow light. You want to use the yellow light because the white light simulates the sun too much. And it actually makes your brain release certain chemicals that keeps you awake. But when you look at yellow light toward the end of your day, your body's rhythm starts to slow down and says, oh, it's time for bed. (laughs) And you, you know, if you want to use the power of habit, uh, some of the some of the tips from the power of habit, you got to set like the time when you brush your teeth You know, set it early, brush your teeth, wash your face, get it out the way early. Because, you know, when you were, like, ready to go, oh, I'm so tired. Oh, oh, I'm so dirty, too. Though i got to wash my face. Oh, I'm all up now. I'm all awake. <laughs> and if you wash your face right before you go to bed, you're probably going to need another 45 minutes before you fall asleep. So, so set your habits. Brush your teeth early. You know, now, now when I come home, right when I come home at, like, 9.30 or 10, I just wash my face. And I put on my, you know, <laughs> put on my moisturizer, my eye cream. Hey, brothers, don't be ashamed, all right? Eye cream is good for you. Don't let all the women just have wrinkle-free eyes, all right? We, us men, we need, we need, you know, when we have glorified bodies, I think we're going to have wrinkle-free eyes. You know, might, might, might as well try to look like our glorified bodies as long as possible before Jesus returns. I don't know. But, you know, anyway, I don't want to be talking about that. If you've always struggled with exercise, use the new year to make a commitment to hit the gym. Go to the gym. Even if you go to the gym and just look at your smartphone the whole time, celebrate that. <laughs> That's like a running play for two yards or something. You got, you got, in, you got in the gym. Actually, that's kind of sad if you do that. Uh, <clears throat> but yeah, let's say in the, in the first week of the new year, you hit the gym twice. In that moment, don't think about the entire year. Oh, man, I'm never going to be able to do this. Just celebrate the momentum you got. Write it down in your journal. I went to the gym twice. And ride that momentum. We got to stop underestimating the power of momentum.
you may be asking, how do I leverage momentum? I'll give you two tips. One, you got to make a good game plan and stick with it. And two, you got to get others involved. And let me explain these two tips. A, make a good game plan and stick with it. When you make these New Year resolutions for things that are very practical and tangible like exercise, you got to come up with a good, realistic, and not so overly ambitious plan. You know, one that's not going to cause you despair in the first week. But one that you know you can achieve and gain some momentum. You know, you, if you thinking about winning the Super Bowl might be too big, but you executing the next 10 plays, you can do that and get some momentum going. So come up with a good plan, good game plan. And when you apply that game plan and you see some momentum, you got to stick with that game plan. Don't try to come up with a new game plan. Don't try to adjust it because you missed a few days. Don't feel despair because you had a bad day. Just get right back up and stick with the game plan. So week one, you hit the gym twice. Week two, no gym. Week three, you hit hit the gym once. Week four, you hit the gym twice. Week five, no gym. You see, you're going to have those off weeks. And the temptation will be on those off weeks to just throw your hands up in despair and give up altogether. Let me tell you something about that. A Holy Spirit will never tell you, you can't do this. He'll never tell you, oh, you missed a week, just give up on this whole thing. But you know who will tell you that? It's a thief. Jesus says the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. The thief wants to discourage you. The devil is constantly trying to deceive you, to make you fall, to use anything and everything to try to steal, kill, and destroy you. But Jesus came that you may have life and life abundant. You know what life abundant looks like? Life abundant looks like you set some goals and you're able to achieve those goals. Life abundant is you say, I'm going to hit the gym three times a week this year. And you hit the gym three times a week that year. Even though you had like 20 weeks in which you missed the gym. You get right back up and you continue to hit that game plan. You got to leverage momentum. Second is uh, get others involved. God has created us to be relational beings. This is why the Nike Plus running app has helped so many people get into a habit of jogging and running. Just this past year. How many of you guys use the Nike running app? Keep your hands up. Oh, we got a lot of lazy people in here. All right. All right. Where's Sam Keel? Sam Keel here. He likes to boast. This homeboy, whenever he uses that Nike running app, you know, posts up, you know, I'm running today, you know. And then uh, when, you, when you put it up on your Facebook status, apparently when somebody likes it, while he's running, if they like it, you get a cheer sound. <sighs> you know, that makes, that makes Sam Keel here, you know, that makes Sam encouraged. He feels the momentum. Yeah, people are cheering me on. You know, and it's like that social aspect helps them to leverage the momentum. At the end of this year, I, I'm saying he's boasting because at the end of the year, he posted like, how many miles did you run this year? Man, you, you, a thousand miles. What is that? Like the circumference of the earth? <laughs> a thousand miles. 
That's momentum right there. That's why a lot of these exercise uh, fitness apps are getting very popular. Because people realize that when they do it in a social setting, on social media, they realize that that relational aspect, that social aspect, helps them to leverage the momentum of keeping their exercise routines going. Or get with your accountability partner. You guys have accountability partners if you're on leadership with our church. Go to them and don't just talk about, you know, ways in which you've fallen. Talk about the goals that you want to set for the year. Tell your accountability partner, I want to read two books a month. One book a month. I just want to read one book a month. And the newspaper once a week. You know, and then get your accountability partner to follow through, help you to follow through on that. Make a game plan, stick with it, get others involved. These, these are wonderful ways to leverage momentum so that you can renew your commitment towards self-development and growth and follow through on those commitments. And, you know, I, let me say something about purity real quick. All the men in the house. The return of Jesus is like the touchdown, right? Let's say the crucifixion is like the kickoff. Jesus kicks it off, right? I've died on the cross for you. You, 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 you. The ball's coming down. (laughs) This gift of eternal life. I catch it. I receive it, Lord. All right, you got it. Now you got to go to the other end zone. Now, Jesus is the coach. He's helping you. Holy Spirit's... The best thing, I guess, would be Gatorade. I don't know. Like, Holy Spirit's... (laughs) Holy Spirit's a person, though. He's not a power. He's a person. But let's just say he's like the Gatorade. He's helping you. Jesus is calling in the place. He's telling you this is how you're going to advance. This is how you're going to continue to grow in purity and character and godliness. This is how you're going to be equipped to serve others, to, uh, to minister and disciple others in the church. And you're getting the plays in, right? So you say hike. And you, you get in play one. You get a first down, five yards, two yards. But you're progressing down that field. But when you look at por- porn, or you look at some kind of visual lust that you know doesn't please God, you know what that's like? That's like you fumble the ball. You fumble the ball. And when you fumble the ball, here's the thing, men of God. You got to recover that fumble. You know how you recover that fumble? Repentance. Repentance is similar to recovering that fumble. Because you know why? If you fumble the ball and you lose a few yards, but you recover it, you're still going in the same direction. But if you don't repent, now the enemy has the ball. And once the enemy has the ball, he's going to try to leverage on that momentum in your life, that negative momentum. And he's going to try to fill you with shame, condemnation, attack your identity, isolate you, try to get you to play defense all by yourself, try to play every position by yourself. Enemies just advancing down the field. Now, this is where the analogy stops because Satan cannot advance down the field and take away your salvation. Hallelujah. Right? <laughs> the best he can do is uh, get, to, get to your uh, red zone, get to your, the, get to your other end of the zone. But he can't, he can't score a touchdown, all right? Jesus is there to block him, all right? 
Jesus won't let him. But you can lose that ground. You hear what I'm saying? But when you repent, just jump back on that ball. Get back up. And follow the next play. Listen to the words of Jesus again. You might have lost four yards, but on the next play, you can gain 12 yards. Make the enemy pay for that fumble, forced fumble. Is that helpful for you? Why are all the women saying yeah? I was talking to the women. I talked to the men. So look, even when Satan tries to make you feel like a complete failure, make you feel like a pervert, make you feel dirty, all right? No, you repent. You jump right back on that ball. You recover the fumble. You get up, you listen to the next play, and you execute. You follow through. Get right back on, and you follow through on those New Year resolutions. Follow through on your quiet times. Follow through and keep coming out to church. Keep leading your Bible studies. And remember in the big picture that God is looking for good stewardship of the things that he has given us on loan. Our time, our treasure, like our finances, our talents. And uh, as uh, Professor Tony told me the other day, your thinking, even your thought life is composed of good stewardship. Time, talents, treasure thinking god is looking for a good stewardship of these things that he's given to us on loan so we're not just looking to be better persons we're also looking to be faithful stewards so you know like sometimes in evangelicals they will focus so much on character that it becomes unbalanced it's not either or it's both yes god wants you to grow in character and godliness and maturity, but that character and godliness and maturity produces good stewardship, a life well lived, a life that's fruitful. Servants that take the talent of the master and multiply it. So I urge you, brothers, I urge you, sisters, just as it says in First Thessalonians five fourteen, do not be idle. If you go into this new year thinking, uh, let me just see where the new year leads me. Let me just go with the flow. Go with the flow. That's not leveraging momentum. That's just going with whatever momentum you're dealt with in life. And maybe right now in your life, the momentum's not going very well for you. Don't feel hopeless. You can shift that momentum. And I'm going to close with this. There are two famous football games in the history of the Philadelphia Eagles <laughs> that goes down as the greatest comebacks ever in NFL history. Well, they're two of the greatest. And they both happened in the Meadowlands in New Jersey where the New York Giants play. So I believe one of the first one happened in the 80s, and they called it the miracle in the Meadowlands. And so the Eagles were down by like, like you know, four or five touchdowns, and it looked like the game was completely lost. 
And somehow there was a shift in momentum and the eagles did not give up hope. And they continued to fight. And then through some miraculous play at the end, they won the game. They call that miracle in the Meadowlands. So even though the Philadelphia Eagles fans, we don't have a Super Bowl ring. We always have the miracle in the Meadowlands. And we always reminisce about that. And what was amazing was a couple years ago, there was a similar game in which Michael Vick was the quarterback. And it looked like the game was completely lost. They were down by like four touchdowns. It was like the third quarter. Toward the end of the third quarter. And all of a sudden, there was this shift in momentum. And all the Eagles players, they stayed focused and hopeful. And they leveraged that momentum. And with like less than a minute to go in the game, they tied up the game. They tied up the game. This amazing comeback. But not only did they tie up the game, the Eagles defense, they stopped the Giants from advancing. And so the Giants, uh, they had to punt the ball to the Eagles. So they punt the ball with no time left. Deshaun Jackson from Cal, he catches the ball. He fumbles the ball. He fumbled the ball. Oh, no, it looked like the Giants were going to pick it up and do something crazy and then win the game. But he picked up the fumble. He looked up. He juked one New York player. Juked another player. And he found a hole. And the next thing you know, he runs it all the way back for a touchdown. No time left in the game. The Eagles win. I watched that game live, and let me tell you, man, it was like better than winning the Super Bowl. <laughs> That's how much we hate the Giants, all right? <laughs> I mean, it was, it was so amazing. So they call that Miracle in the Meadowlands 2. <laughs> it didn't happen in Philly. It happened in New York. or well, New Jersey, if you want to be technical. Why am I telling you that story? I'm telling you that story because Jesus loves the Philadelphia Eagles. (laughs) Listen, listen to me. I'm dead serious. And because Jesus loves the Philadelphia Eagles, he chooses to show the people of God, the redeemed people of God on the earth. He chooses to show these pictures of the kingdom through the Philadelphia Eagles. Man, y'all laughing at me right now, but come on. <laughs> if you go to uh, YouTube and you, and you search for these games and you watch the highlights of the game, like, you, you, you'll be in tears. <laughs> it was that emotional. It was that hopeless of a situation. And the, and the comeback happened. It's amazing. I don't know what you're going through in your Christian life right now. You might feel like an underdog. You feel like nothing's going right for you. But let me tell you right now. With one touch from Jesus, everything can change. With one shift of momentum from heaven, the whole course of your life could go in a new direction. You're a champion inside. Because the Bible says, Christ is in you, the hope of glory. The king who's going to come in all that glory, he lives inside of you. And so although Jesus was unhurried during his public ministry on earth, one of the reasons he was so unhurried, I believe, is because he said this. 
the things you've seen me do, you also will do. Greater things than these you will do. Because I'm going to the Father. You know why Jesus was so unhurried? Because he knew that once he died and resurrected, it's time for multiplication. When Jesus died on that cross, it looked like the momentum had completely shifted toward the devil's favor. What the devil did not know was, it was completely opposite. Because three days later, the momentum shifted completely in a new direction. The whole course of human history went in a completely di- different direction because of the incarnation, crucifixion, and resurrection of Christ. And then to repeat and to add to this momentum, he poured out his spirit on 120 disciples gathered in the upper room on the day of Pentecost. And then in Acts 4, he poured out his spirit again. And today, he continues to pour out his spirit because one thing Jesus loves, he loves a good comeback story. He loves the miracle in the Meadowlands. He loves the eagles. <laughs> just, just think about that, man. The giants. How, how prideful, you know? <laughs> you know? You call your team the giants. We are the giants. Come on now. We know that the eagle is a much more biblical <laughs> symbol than the giants. Giant, you know, last time I saw a giant, he went down by a little teenager who threw a rock on his forehead. Do not be idle. Make your New Year resolutions this, this week. Make them if you haven't already. Reflect, renew those commitments, and follow through. Let me close this in prayer. Father, I thank you for every person in this room. That God, as they continually behold your face, you are transforming them from glory to glory. I thank you that even when they don't even make New Year resolutions, they are continually being transformed but father i pray that god that they will not just passively watch the grace of god at work in their lives but they will actively live their lives by faith partnering with you participating in the life of god not being alienated from the life of god but participating in the life of god by living by faith i pray that lord uh, individuals of new philadelphia church that they will grow and mature to new heights new levels of glory in 2014 i pray that people who even have physical ailments because of a lack of exercise a poor diet even they will see breakthrough oh god in their health they'll be able to run a thousand miles just like sam q because they leverage momentum That you bring into their lives. And then through all these things. Our faith is in your word that says. It is God who works in you. Both to will and to work. According to his good pleasure. We believe it is your good pleasure God. We believe it is your good pleasure. To work in us. 
both to will and to work in us. It is in your good pleasure, Lord, that we grow, that we mature. As it says in Hebrews 13, verse 20, May the God of peace equip you with everything good that you may do his will, working in us that which is according to his good pleasure. God, as we make our efforts, we know that, God, you're meeting us and you're working in us. And so, Father, even where in the past we might have seen some failure, we are filled with hope today because we know that your grace, your grace will be at work in us so that we can grow, that we can be victorious, that we can overcome, that we may be able to bear and put on the new self created in true righteousness and holiness. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.